2020 is over. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, and this has been a wild, it's been a wild year, and uh, it's a year in which the enemy of our soul tried to divide us in a number of ways, politically, racially, uh, in the church in America, in the church and new life. Uh, the enemy's tried to divide and conquer. That's been his strategy all through 2020, but I want you to know, that's always been his strategy. I was just reading a, some, on a history book of, of uh, the clergy in New England, and I came across a story I thought I'd share with you. It was 1767, uh, and there was a young uh, pastor, the very reverend Caleb Barnum, went to the Second Church of Wrentham, Massachusetts. It was a Congregationalist church. And at the Second Church of, uh, of Wrentham, Massachusetts, there was a great division. There was a great fission between two factions in the church over, are you ready for this? The cost of cranberries. Yes, the church was split over that. There was one man in the church who, who had the cranberries. There was another businessman in the church who wanted to buy the cranberries. And the one who wanted to buy it thought the, the fair market value was here. The guy who owned the cranberries thought the fair market value was here. And so everybody put, picked a faction to back. And so this very young pastor, Caleb Barnum, he stepped up. He thought he should be the peacemaker between these two guys that were at odds with each other. And, and so he sat down and he talked it out with them. Uh, and so he came up with a solution. And the solution was, he was going to cover the difference out of his own pocket. Please don't ask me to ever do this. <laughs> but, but he went with the higher price that the guy who owned the cranberries had, and, and, and he covered the difference from the other guy, and so everybody was happy, right? Wrong. In fact, both sides got mad at the pastor because he chose sides even though he paid the difference out of his own pocket. So they called the tribunal, they had a court case, and they voted to ask the pastor to resign. 1767, why did I tell you that story? Only to tell you, listen, the devil don't have any new tricks. He's always trying to divide us. But you know what Jesus said? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. So we've survived 2020, and as we normally do, we have a year in review video, and I know this has been a different year, and so some of the events that we normally have in the video we don't have, but we still have lots of good things because God was still good in 2020. And so watch this video right now. Amen. It's good to have a little fun. It's okay to have a little fun, and remember that God's been good to us in 2020, uh, and so we're grateful for that, but we're moving forward into 2021. And I'm very excited about some new things that we got on tap for this year and some things that I believe God is doing. And one of them that I'm most excited about, and I've been very excited to make this announcement this morning, is that during 2020, our, our women's ministry director, uh, which was Sandy Cooper, uh, she moved away to Florida or something. I can't remember where she went. Um, no, they, they went to Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, she had been doing a great job, and, and uh, so in between then and now, uh, the women's ministry has been led by a team, uh, but uh, I've been praying about this, and the elders joined me in this, that today we are going to install as the new women's ministry leader, Aisha Hayes-Taylor, which we're very excited about. And there's a lot of things I can say about Aisha, but I think the most important is that she loves Jesus and she loves people, which according to Jesus are the two greatest commandments, right? She loves Jesus and she loves people. She's an encourager. I mean, I've, there have been a number of times where she has just come up and spoken life into me. I think she gets it from her mama. Uh, 
and which, by the way, Robin, we love you, and it's so good to see you, and I thank you for everything you've poured into this church for decades now, and uh, we're a better place because you and your family, Shanette and Aisha, and as the family continues to grow and grow, and I don't know if we're going to keep on growing or not, but it just, as it keeps on growing, (laughs) yeah, Kevin's like, I'm tapping out, I'm tapping. Um, uh, but uh, we're very blessed by that. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. Aisha is an encourager. And ladies, I think you're going to find that, that part of what's on her heart is to see you get in your gift and use your gift and rise up to be who God has created you to be in his kingdom. And I believe that's going to happen this year. And I believe we're going to take a major step forward. And I'm very excited. So I'm going to invite Aisha and family up here. And we're going to pray over them. And I invite my dad to come back. And uh, so whoever's going to come on up here. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. If that's okay, is this, or should we do it down? Yeah, let's do it down. We'll do it down here. We're going to do it down here. Hey, you take your time. What a beautiful family. Yes. What a beautiful family. Dad, will you lead us? Father, I thank you for Aisha and her family. Mm-hmm. Lord, I thank you for the mm-hmm. call of God that's upon her life. Mm-hmm. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you have put in her heart, in her mind. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is upon her. And you will take some of that anointing and put it upon these mm-hmm. ladies as well that yes. she's going to be ministering to. Mm-hmm. Father, I thank you for this. We lay hands on mm-hmm. her and we declare her set into this position to yes. do the work that you've called her to do here, mm-hmm. and for that we give you thanks and glory. Thank you, thank Jesus. You, Lord. Lord, I thank you that she has experienced the fullness of the Spirit of God and your power in her life. But Lord, I ask for an increase in that, that the gifts that she have increase and grow. Lord, I just pray over her that she is able to hear your voice more clearly than she ever has before, that you're giving her direction, you're giving her a vision, Lord, and she's able to impart that. And Lord, we as New Life Church can be better because of that. Lord, that each person pulling in using their gifts to see your kingdom come and your will will be done here as it is in heaven. And Lord, I just bless this family right now, Kevin, and all of them, all the children, Shanette, Robin, Lord James, all of them, Lord, we bless them as a family and thank you, Lord, that you are doing good things in their life and the best is yet to come. It's not in the past, the best is yet to come. And Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name and all God's saints said, amen, amen, amen. Very excited about this year and about her role. I've been seeking the Lord about what he would say to us as a church at this kind of bizarre moment in history. And as I've tried to kind of quiet the voices, myself included, um, and just sit before the Lord and get quiet before him, what I have in my spirit for this year is not gloom and doom. It's not. Uh, It's not rosy and sweet either, but it is profoundly hopeful. Not, not a kind of superficial hope, uh, but a hope that is stirring, a hope that is building what I can only call, what I have in my spirit for this year is a holy anticipation or an excitement. 
about what God wants to do. And as is often the case, uh, uh, many times at the end of one year, I'm praying about what, is there a word, is there a theme for the year that the Lord would be putting on our heart and then lay it before the elders and have them pray and consider it. This year, the word that the Lord has put on my heart is rise. Rise. And it comes from a text in Isaiah chapter 60. It's good if you're going to have a word from the Lord come from actually the word of the Lord. Um, And so Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3 say this. I want you to listen very closely and hear what the Lord may be speaking to you as he's speaking something to our church corporately. It says this, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Now now notice that in that text, the word rise occurs four times. And to understand what the Lord would be saying to us today in this text, we need to understand, first of all, what it meant to Isaiah when Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. What did it mean to them then? To to understand that, we need to remember the context. And remember the context of Isaiah, who's prophesying. Isaiah is a major prophet, and he's writing at a time in Israel's history when they are in exile or just coming back from exile. There's some debate among scholars about when the end of Isaiah was written. Uh, was it exilic or was it post-exilic? You know, either way, Isaiah is now prophesying about a hopeful future. So get, get the picture. They just experienced the worst thing that could ever happen to any nation. Just imagine this. Be, be them for a second. Uh, your home has been destroyed. Your family has been ripped apart. You've been relocated in exile. There is utter devastation. Okay, it's not, it's not that they had a bad year. It's that they had 70 bad years. And into that devastation comes this hopeful word, arise, shine, for your light has come. What in the world? I think God, through the prophet Isaiah, is telling Israel, the people of God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to live now in the larger story of God. See, the smaller story was the story of captivity and exile. That was the smaller story. And sometimes it's very easy, isn't it, to get caught up in the smaller story because the smaller story is right in your face. And it was very easy for the Israelites, the people of God back then, and it's very easy for the people of God now to get caught up in the smaller story because it's in your face, it's true, and it seems kind of dark. And sad and seemingly hopeless, but that's the smaller story. See, the larger story included, as Isaiah spoke to the people of God, the larger story included captivity and exile, but it also included redemption and renewal and coming back to the promised land. And by the time you get to the end of chapter 60 of Isaiah, and we don't have time to read through it, but the time, by the time you get to the end of it, redemption is foreshadowing the new Jerusalem. And the eternal, in fact, if we had time, we could flip over to Revelation chapter 21, and John in Revelation is deliberately using language from Isaiah 60 to talk about the new Israel, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. He says, you're not going to need a, a son because the Lord will be your light. He took that from Isaiah. Isaiah is prophesying that hundreds of years before that, but way before us. That's the bigger story. 
So the, the smaller story is the promise, the problem of exile and captivity. The larger story is the story of God and the gospel. It includes the coming of Jesus. It includes the cross, the resurrection. It includes Pentecost where God puts his spirit on us. And it includes, in the end, eternity with him. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth where justice and righteousness rule and every wrong is going to be made right and every tear is going to be wiped away. That is the big story. So God is calling Israel back then and he's calling us New Life Church in 2021 to live in God's larger story which includes eternity. Not just our little story that we see right now. And let me just apply this, because this is very important, it's, and I believe it's going to be really important as we move throughout this year. In your own life, you choose which story you're going to live by. You, you choose. Sometimes you don't do this, you know, deliberately, but you choose which story is going to be your controlling story. I, I mean, during this year... COVID-19 seemed like the big story in 2020, but listen to me, COVID-19 is not the big story. It's the little story. Your problems, and I don't want to be insensitive here, please hear me in the context, okay, because I know some of you are starting with some really big things and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of suffering. I get that, I do, I get that, but whatever your problem is, it is temporary. You say, well, well, this might go on my whole life. Well, then it's going to end when your life ends. Whatever problems we have are by definition temporary, and thus they are part of the little story. They're not the big story. See, your problems, whatever your problem is, if it's physical, if it's financial, if it's family, that is not the plot line of your life. I mean, I mean, to be sure, it's probably a subplot. Okay, it's subplots. But the bigger story of God is your redemption and eternity with him. And here's the deal. Whichever story you choose to live by will be the story that you use to interpret your experience. So when something happens in your life, if you're living by the small story, then you're going to interpret that experience by the small story instead of by the big story. When, there's, when, when something comes into your life and, and, and it seems bad and it seems like it's really hard, if you're living by the, living, the small story, it's going to devastate you. But if you're living by the big story, you can say, okay, that's bad, but I'm living by, I got another story to interpret all my experience. This is not the end. It'll not only, now listen, it won't only just how you be how you interpret your experience, it'll also generate how you're going to behave. Listen, I want to tell you something. America is, is awesome, and I am one of the most patriotic people that probably you will ever meet. But hear me, America is part of the little story. There's a bigger, there is a kingdom of God which transcends nationalities, and that's the big story. And we're excited. So no matter what happens in this nation, I pray for this nation. I pray for this nation more than I ever have in my life. But no matter what happens here, guess what? I'm still spending eternity with Jesus. Because that's the big story. And so sometimes we need to remind ourselves, wait a second, wait a, some event happens in our life, wait a second, this is a small story. There's a bigger story out there. For example, I was just reading recently about an early church uh, in, the, in the second century, in the beginning of the third century. The early church had a practice, uh, a discipline, which I think would be good for us to recover. Um, and, and when I tell it to you, at first you're going to say, well, that's not very profound. But if you think about it, it's very profound. 
What they did in the second century and early third century is uh, when the church would be about to do something, if somebody was uh, like going to experience persecution or they had a problem in the church that they were dealing with or they had a decision to make, it was a big decision, what they would do in the early church is they would stop and they would say out loud so they could hear it themselves, they would say, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. It was, and they would say that to remind them, I'm living out of the big story. I'm drawing from the big story for my meaning, for my hope, for my authority. And, and in fact, there's a story of, of uh, two women, Perpetua and Felicity. Uh, this is around the year 203 or so A.D. They were going to be martyred. For Perpetua uh, was pregnant and gave birth in prison, actually. Uh, and Felicity was a slave. And they went in as sisters, arm in arm, into the Colosseum in Carthage, which was, I think, the second biggest one in the world at the time. And, and, and the animals came out to kill them. And in order to remind them, wait a second, there's a certain way to die. They walked in, and before they walked in, they said, I am a Christian. Meaning, I, that's my story. You, you may send the animals in to kill me, but, but I got a bigger story than this. I am a Christian, and that story is going to dictate how I act in the last moments of my life. Now, we don't have to be so dramatic as to talk about when we die. Just, just how about when we live? How about when we get on social media before we, we say, I am a Christian? And we remind ourselves, wait a second, this, I'm living out of a bigger story, not out of the smaller story right here. Listen, in my own life, I have discovered that when I'm feeling the most hopeless, it's when I'm focusing on the smaller story. Because hope doesn't come from the smaller story. Hope comes from the bigger story. It's the larger story. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that you're here today and you feel hopeless yourself. And maybe you're wondering, why, why am I wrestling with, with feeling hopeless? Maybe. And this is not the only reason. There's a lot of reasons why sometimes we feel hopeless. But, but maybe one of the reasons is you're focusing on the little story. Listen, this is why so many people in our society find life meaningless. Because they've lost the larger story. And it's the larger story that gives our life meaning. I mean, if you don't have the larger overarching story of God and eternity, life seems absurd. I mean, it does. Just, just kind of think about it from, from out of, let's just put ourselves out of the big story for a second. If, if, if you're in a secular worldview and, and you don't believe there is a God and you have an atheistic worldview, just think of how life looks. You're born, you have some hopes, they usually get dashed, you love people, you get hurt, you're in pain, and then you die forever. That seems absurd to me. And, and I don't blame a lot of secular philosophers who write about the absurdity of life because there's, they don't have an overarching story. And if there is no overarching story, life is absurd. I mean, and then when, when the world finally gets to having an overarching story, the story goes like this. There were some random atoms. Forget for a moment where those atoms came from, but they were there, okay? And these random atoms just kind of ran into each other, and then there was this singularity, and there was this explosion, this big bang, and then, and then there was this, this, you know, the universe popped into existence, and it was been growing out and expanding, and there was one little star in an insignificant part of the world, the universe, and it had this planet going around it, and it was just right for life, and so without any oversight, life just emerged, and consciousness emerged, and life evolved randomly through natural selection, and then we got love, and 
and art and music and smoked meats. Thank you, Jesus. And, 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 and we got all this good stuff, but one day the sun's going to burn out. The solar system's going to collapse. The whole universe, which is expanding right now, is going to go back in and it's going to collapse on itself and it's all going to be meaningless. That is a terrible story. That is a sad, depressing story. But listen, you guys, that is not our story. That's not the true story. See, our story is different. The Bible says that the universe exists because it is the creation of a totally self-sufficient, completely good, loving God who exists as a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been in perfect, loving relationship. And out of the love of the Trinity, creation emerges. There there was a a medieval theologian who put it this kind of poetically. He put it this way. The universe exists out of the laughter of the Trinity. Just out of the joy and the love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they create. And the world was created good. And he made us in his image as relational beings because God is relational. We're relational. And he made us to rule over all creation under him. But you know the story. We rebelled. And so the whole world would plunged into darkness. But now the light has come. God himself came. The light came. Jesus came. And he preached the kingdom of God. And he demonstrated what God was like. He went around healing people who couldn't see. He gave them sight. People who couldn't walk. He lifted them up and they started walking. People who were dead. He raised them from the dead. And he said, this is what God is like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he went to the cross in the ultimate demonstration of love and justice in a single event. He went to the cross and he took my sin upon himself. And he died for me. He died for you, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And let me tell you, he ascended to the Father where he is at the right hand making intercession for you and for me. And you know what he says in Hebrews 10? That he, forget, he remembers our sin no more. Oh, this is good news. But that wasn't the end of the story because there was Pentecost. And, the, and he said, I'm going to send my spirit down on, on the church, on you, and it's going to fill you so that you're full of me. And then one day he's going to come back. And like I said earlier, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and his kingdom's going to rule. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is our story. Therefore, you and I live in that story now. That's our story. So what do you do? Arise! Shine, for your light has come. Let's go back to the text. If you have your Bibles, look at it, because I want you to see this. We're going we're gonna to be in Isaiah 60 for a while, okay? I mean, not a while today, like a while over the year. Um, well, a little while today. Um, and so let's go back to the text and kind of unpack what this is saying about our story and how we should live today in the context of the larger story. Remember, this is just week one. I just want to wet your app. This is like an appetizer for the year, if you will, from this text. Let's look at the text again. Isaiah 60, verse 1, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. First thing you got to see in kind of the, the logic of this text that the Lord's speaking to us, number one is this, darkness covers the earth. Isaiah here, and the Bible as a whole, is very realistic about the world. The Bible has a very realistic view of the world. It doesn't sugarcoat it. it does, it's, this is not a Pollyanna view of the world. It says point blank, darkness covers the earth. 
and, and you know, a lot of people who don't believe in God, people that I talk to as I'm just in discussion with people, uh, if they don't believe in God, almost always the number one thing they cite is the problem of evil. If God is all-powerful and all-loving, why does evil exist? If he's all-powerful, he could do away with evil. If he was all-loving, he'd want to do away with evil, but evil still exists, and that's their biggest argument, and that's the main thing cited about why they don't believe in God. But the irony is the Bible admits openly that there's a lot of evil in the world. And it tells us why we rebelled and sin came in. We call it the fall. And it's not just humans that fell. All creation fell. And now darkness covers the earth. We need to be realistic about that fact. Listen, the darkness didn't go away just because we turned the calendar to 2021 this week. The the, the virus didn't magically disappear, did you notice? Darkness is out there. And in some ways, it seems to be getting worse. I mean, we just need to be realistic about that. I mean, and Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, a text that we would be actually good to go look at, but you can go look at it this week. 2 Timothy 3, he says very clearly, some things are going to get worse. Don't be surprised by it. I read an article this week in the Christian Post. Uh, uh, some research that was done by a, a group, I think we were called Release International, which is kind of like one of these watchdog groups that measures uh, persecution of Christians globally. Uh, and they just have some objective data about, uh, you know, people who have reported uh, persecution of Christians. And they said that in 2020, persecution was up primarily in China and India. And the trajectories are such that they are predicting that they're going to increase throughout 2021. Now, that's something that's kind of foreign to us in America, but we should know we need to be ready. Darkness covers the earth. So what does that that say? How do we apply that? Well, first, don't be surprised by the darkness. Don't be surprised. Sometimes we get shocked. I can't believe something happened. And it leads to paralysis. But don't be shocked. The Bible is never shocked by evil. The Bible's never shocked by suffering or injustice. It's never surprised. And the biblical writers, they don't pontificate about why evil exists. They just write about how to overcome it. A lot of times in our culture, we pontificate about evil, but we don't seek to vanquish it. The Bible's just the opposite. It's not, I'm not going to try to figure it out. Here's what happened. There's sin. There's a devil. Here's what we do about it. And so don't be surprised when bad things happen. Number two is this, don't wait for everything to go right in your life before you choose to be happy. If you're waiting for all the darkness to go away entirely before you let yourself feel happy, you're never going to feel happy in this life because currently darkness covers the earth. I mean, we use this analogy sometimes, and and there's times where I think it's helpful, but there's times I think it, 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 it totally messes us up. We have this analogy of like, um, you know, mountaintops and valleys. And we're like, as if, you know, sometimes you're on a mountain, you're feeling good and everything's right. And sometimes you're in a valley and everything's wrong and everything's going bad. But I don't think life is like that very often. I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but I don't think really life is mountaintop or valley. I think it's more like, to, to borrow an analogy or steal it outright, uh, from Rick Warren, life is more like a set of train tracks. You got train tracks, you got the right track, you got the left track, and they're parallel. Wherever you go, you go up, they're together, you go down, they're together. You go to the left, you go to the right, they're all together, they're right there. And I think that's more how life is. There's always good things to be grateful for, and there's always challenges. At just about any moment in your life, there's something good in your life that you can stop and go, God, I thank you for whatever it is. 
You can say that. And there's probably always something in your life that's a challenge that you got to stand up and fight. Because all of life has challenges and all of life has things to be grateful for. So don't wait until the darkness is gone before you're grateful or before you allow yourself to be happy. Choose to live in the big story right now. I choose to live in the larger story of eternity right now. Darkness covers the earth, number one. But number two, he says the light has come. When Isaiah wrote that, he was prophesying. He was looking into the future of something that hadn't happened yet, and it was going to happen. In fact, he had prophesied it way back in chapter 9. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Chapter 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then in chapter 60, he says, act like the light's already come. So, so it, Isaiah is calling Israel at that time to act as if it had already happened. Do you see what's happening? Prophetically, he's calling them to live in the hope that the light is coming and live now as if it's already done. And he uses past tense verbs to do that. Live, if this is going to happen, so live as if it's true already. Now, that was for Isaiah writing to the people he was writing to, but we live on this side of the cross. And in the Gospels, when the Gospels start, John chapter 1 starts like this. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Do you see what the Gospel of John is saying? It's saying Jesus is the light. He's already come. We don't have to live as if the light has already come when it hasn't yet. No, no, no. Jesus already came. We live in the Messianic age. Messiah has come. Jesus has already won the victory. He's already inaugurated his kingdom. Therefore, number three, darkness curves the earth. Your light has come. Therefore, do what? Arise and shine. I mean, 2020 may have seemed like a super dark year to you. I, I, I hear it. I hear you. I get it. So what do we do? What are our choices? We can live in the small story or we can live in the bigger story. And we can arise and shine. Because our light has already come. You don't have to win your salvation. You don't have to climb up to get to God. He came to us. The light has come. Jesus won our salvation. He won our victory. So we just got to stand up in his victory. In, in Hebrew, the word there translated arise in verse 1 uh, implies it has a connotation. It's, it's used in the context of getting up from a prostrate position, like laying down and getting up. And that is why uh, the message, when it translates Isaiah 60 verse 1, the message, by the way, a translation that should not be your main study Bible, okay, but it's fun to read sometimes. It translates it like this. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. Wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. What is he saying? Arise. And you guys, I believe God's speaking to us. New Life Church in 2021. Look, 2020 may have momentarily knocked us down, uh, but we're getting up. Rise. Shine, because Jesus has already come. The light has already come. The glory has risen. That is the big story. And we're going to live out of the big story. And because we got that big story, we're going to get up. Get up. Let me illustrate that, and then I'll be done. In that classic film, in cinematic history, 
Rocky 2. Not to be confused with Rockies 1, 3, 4, 5, Rocky Balboa, Creed 1, or Creed 2. There are eight movies in the Rocky pantheon, or, you know, the Rocky mythology. And in Rocky 2, you get to the end of the film, spoiler alert, it came out in 1979. If you haven't seen it yet, you probably ain't going to see it. Which means we are old. That was 42 years ago. That is crazy. Anyway, back to the, I mean, we ain't that old. Um, Rocky II, do you remember the, you remember the, they get, it's Apollo Creed versus Rocky Balboa. And it's the 15th round. And in the 15th round, they're trading blows. And they're just standing in the middle of the ring. And they're unloading on each other. And they're both exhausted. And they're both beat up. But they're both punching the other. I mean, it's like, I, I watched it again this week, just the, the clip of round 15. And, and it, it was like I was watching the year 2020. I mean, it was like, blow out, bam. I mean, they're just beating each other. And finally, Balboa comes in with a swing. He swings as hard as he can. And he hits Apollo, but they both go down. They both fall down, and they're on the ground together. And the referee goes, one. And in between one and two, uh, Rocky's wife says, get up. Two. Between two and three, her brother Polly says, get up, Rock. And then, and then three, and after they say three, uh, um, Apollo Creed's trainer, I forget what his name is, Apollo Creed's trainer says, get up, Apollo. And they're screaming, get up. And then we're told by the, the announcer that whoever gets up is going to be the heavyweight champion. Five. Then, then the announcer says, and by the way, since Apollo holds the belt right now, if neither man gets up, he's still going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. Six. And both guys are clawing their way up. They're trying to climb up. Seven. It's, you know, over-the-top dramatic because it's rocky. The Creed movies are just like it. I mean, it's just the same. You know, and they're climbing up. They get to eight, nine. Creed falls back down. Rocky gets up on nine. He barely gets up. He's not even standing up. He's not strong, but he's on his feet, and he takes a couple of steps, and the, uh, and the referee goes, it's over. He's the champ. And then Rocky falls, and somebody catches him because he can't hardly stand up, and he's the heavyweight champion. And then similar things happened in Rocky's three, four, five, Rocky Balboa, Creed one, and Creed two. All he had to do to be the champion was get up. Now, now, he had to get up. He couldn't be the champion without getting up. You can't be the champion without getting up. And the only difference, think about this for just a second, if I may prolong the imagery of Rocky Balboa. Um, the only difference between Apollo and Rocky at that moment was Rocky got up just one more time. He wasn't stronger than Apollo. He wasn't in better shape than Apollo. He wasn't better looking than Apollo. He wasn't richer than Apollo. He wasn't better trained. He wasn't even a better boxer than Apollo. He just got up one more time. One more time. Listen, sometimes the only difference between victory and failure in our lives is getting up just one more time. Just get up one more time. Just one more time. It's the difference between being the champ. And not. And sometimes you, I know some of you are thinking, you're like, it's not that easy. I didn't say anything about easy. 
just get up one more time. 2020 may have knocked the wind out of you. I think it knocked the wind out of a lot of people. It may have knocked you down. So I'm, I'm not here to be triumphalistic or anything like that, but I am here to say, get up one more time. Arise. Shine. For your light has come. That's the big story. And that's the story we're living by. That is the story that gives us hope. That is the story that gives us meaning. So get up one more time.